0: Welcome to the pastor's study.
1: Adoniram Judson was a missionary in Burma for 37 years. He died back in 1850, and he wrote these words. I never prayed earnestly for anything, but that it came sooner or later, and oftentimes in the way I least imagined. But it came. For this half hour, we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to look at one of the heroes of the faith, the Apostle Paul, who wrote many books of the New Testament. And I'm convinced if we will start praying like the Apostle Paul prayed, it will transform our lives. So let's see how he prayed. Would you turn with me in your New Testament to Romans chapter 1 and let's see how the Apostle Paul prayed. Let's pray first. Father, we do pray for each person watching this program that for each of us, you would deepen our prayer lives. Maybe there are people that almost never pray that are seeing this show. Lord, we would pray that you would teach us to pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Romans chapter one, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Rome and we see how he prayed starting at verse eight, Romans 1, eight. First, I thank my God. Let's stop there the first thing Paul does he starts with thanks if you read Romans Corinthians Galatians Ephesians all of his letters almost start with Paul thanking God so let me ask you this when you pray do you spend more time asking or thanking I got into a habit I'm guessing this is 15 years ago and here's my habit every night before I go to bed to pray almost every night I think back on the on the day and I remember to thank God for five things he did for me so the first thing to do when you pray thank and even thank him if he takes something away uh, one person wrote this there is a law that I am learning that is helping me each day that our Lord sends something better for each thing he takes away. Our Lord sends something better for everything he takes away. Two dear people I know died in a car accident last week. Christian people love the Lord. And I thought, yeah, it was bad for us, but oh, what he gave to them when they died. <laughs> so even thank God when he takes things away is for a higher purpose. Next thing Paul did when he prayed, Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God, notice, through Jesus Christ for you all. Second thing Paul does, he prays through Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul says the same thing in, in Romans 7 coming up. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said in John 15, 16, whatever you ask the Father, in my name he will do it. So, you know, here, here's the way to pray. I almost never pray amen. I always pray in Jesus' name, amen. And, and what do we mean when we say the words in Jesus' name? I think it means this. God... I'm a sinner, I have no right to ask you for anything, so I come in Jesus' name, because of Jesus' merits, not mine, because of what he did on the cross, that's the only way a sinner like me can come before your presence. So always pray in Jesus' name. Next, the way Paul prays, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. Next way to pray, remember to give God credit when someone comes to faith. Notice Paul doesn't say, I thank you Romans for your Christian faith. No, he says, I thank God for your Christian faith, Romans. Do you realize your faith is not something you did? Your faith is the product of the Holy Spirit opening your heart to God. It says in Acts 16, the Lord opened Lydia's heart to receive the things said by the Apostle Paul so when you see someone come to faith or for your own faith have you ever said God thank you for giving me faith that was your work in my heart George I'm sorry verse 9 now for God whom I serve in the spirit in the preaching of the gospel of His son God is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you Romans Here's the next way Paul prayed. Pray without ceasing. Paul says the same thing in 1 Thessalonians Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. Now I had somebody ask me once, how is that possible? You gotta sleep, you gotta eat, you can't pray nonstop. it's not possible. Well, here's what I think Paul means. (laughs) When I was a little boy, I prayed before I went to bed at night and that was it. But somewhere in my teenage years, I started praying to God on and off in my head all day long. I still do. I think that's what Paul means when he says pray without ceasing. Just be praying a lot. And I also think pray without ceasing means never stop praying. You know, here was a a dear girl who just talked to me about She's been praying so long that her daddy would come to know Christ. And, and she was grieved by it. And I just said to her, never stop praying for your father. And I told her about the three sheets that I have of lists of names of people that I've been praying for since 1975. And I told her, I don't think I'll stop praying till these, for these people till I'm dead. And a lot of them have come to Christ. George Mueller was an evangelist in England. He founded an orphanage and took care of 10,000 orphans in England. He died at age 92 in 1898, but here is what happened with George Mueller's prayer life. George Mueller Mueller began to pray for five of his personal friends. After five years, one of those men came to know Christ. After another ten years of praying, two more were saved. For 25 years, he continued to pray for the other two men, and then the fourth was saved. Until his death, he kept praying for man number five. A few months after George Mueller died, the, first man, the fifth man was saved. So, pray without ceasing means you just keep praying no matter what it looks like, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep praying. Look at verse 10. Always in my prayers making request, if now perhaps at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you at Rome. By the will of God. Here's the next way Paul prayed. Pray according to his will. So here's the way I pray. You know, you pray for whatever you want, but then you pray, but God only do this if it's your will. Because if it's not your will, I don't want it. Sometimes you see some of these health and wealth name it and claim it, prosperity preachers on TV. And they will say that's a cop-out to pray if it's your will. We know it's God's will for you to prosper financially. We know it's God's will for you always to be healed. So you don't pray if it's his will. You just name it and claim it and you know God's going to heal you and you're going to get that money.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Is it a cop-out to pray if it's your will, God? Absolutely not. What did Jesus pray in Gethsemane? Not my will, but thine be done. Let me give you some more examples. First um, John 5.14, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Romans 15.32, pray for me that by God's will I may come to you. Acts 18.21, I will return to you if God wills. 1 Corinthians 4, I will come to you soon if God's wills. 1 Corinthians 16, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. James 4.15, you want to say if the Lord wills we shall do this. So it's not a cop-out to pray, God, if it's your will. Um, Jean Ingelou, a French philosopher, said, I have lived to thank God that he has not answered all my prayers. <laughs> Listen, if it's not God's will, you don't want it. Mrs. Billy Graham said, quote, I thank God he did not answer all my prayers. If so, I would have married the wrong man five times. So, of course, it's fine to pray if it's God's will. Let me give one little caveat to this. There are some times you don't pray if it's your will, meaning this. If it's clear in the Bible something is God's will, then you don't ask if it's your will. You know it is. You just pray in faith. I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was a young Christian, if I would sin, I'd say, God, please forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. And if I didn't feel forgiven, I'd, I'd pray five or six times for forgiveness for the, for the one sin. And somebody pointed out to me, do you know that you're calling God a liar? Because 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess, God forgives. So you know it's his will to forgive you according to the promise of 1 John 1.9. So now when you sin, ask for forgiveness once and then ignore the guilt feelings and trust 1 John 1.9. God will keep that promise. So if something is clear in scripture that it's his will, you don't pray if it's, if it's your will. You pray, God, you say it's your will, so I, I'm claiming this in faith. Verse 10 again. If by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you, the Christians in Rome. Here's the next way Paul prayed. He got specific. He had a specific prayer request God, can I see the Romans? You know, you can pray, God save the whole wide world. You can pray that way. But God likes it when you get specific. God save Judy. Save that person at the office. Save my boss. Save my grandchild. God likes it when you pray specifically. Now, for the last part of this, that's how Paul prayed. We're going to shift focus for the very last part of the sermon, and we're going to ask the question what benefits do you get if you're in Christian fellowship? If you're in a good church, or if you're in a good Bible study or a small group with other Christians what does that do for you and we're going to see three wonderful things happen when you're in christian fellowship and i'm sharing this because i've been getting strange emails two different men and i think two different parts of the country both of them sound like they're twins because here's the way the emails write read pastor brock i don't go to church because the church follows man-made doctrine i understand the bible properly and the churches are in darkness All I need is the Bible, said one of them. So I wrote these men back. If if all you need is the Bible, do you know what the Bible says? Go to church! Hebrews chapter ten verse twenty-five: Do not forsake the assembling. And every Christian in the New Testament was part of the assembly, part of a Christian church in Rome or in Ephesus or in you know uh, Thyatira or wherever. And every Christian was part of a church. And these people that think they're too bright and intelligent to join these churches, which are in such darkness, I said to them, that's arrogant. So let me, I hope you watching the show, I hope you're part of a good church, maybe part of a good Bible study, because you get three huge blessings by being part of Christian fellowship. Let's see what Paul says they are. He, uh, Romans chapter 1, let's look at verse 11. For I long to see you, Romans, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. The first thing that happens in Christian fellowship, gifts are exchanged. You bless others. They bless you. They're gifted in ways that can help you. You're gifted in ways that can help them. And, and Paul is saying this of baby Christians. These Christians are inexperienced, but Paul wants to get the blessings he can get by being around inexperienced Christians. John Calvin, the great reformer of the 1600s, wrote this about this passage. Note how modestly the Apostle Paul expresses what he feels by not refusing to seek strengthening from inexperienced beginners. He means that too, for there is none so void of the gifts in the Church of Christ who cannot in some measure contribute to our spiritual progress. Pride, however, often prevents our deriving such benefits from one another. So one big reason to to be part of a church, a Bible study, is you exchange gifts. The second reason you get blessed in fellowship is, verse verse 11, that you may be strengthened. Second blessing of Christian fellowship is you get strengthened. I remember a man coming out of church one day, oh, Pastor Brock, I love coming to church. I feel so strong when I walk out of the doors of the church. We strengthen each other in Christian fellowship. And third thing that happens in Christian fellowship is verse 12, that we may be mutually encouraged. Encouragement happens. Again, um, you can get encouragement in the large group, Service when you're at church during the worship service. But you know where encouragement really happens? If you're part of a small group, a Christian Bible study, wow, you can get encouraged by that. Let me just share a memory here. Part of my college days were spent at Grinnell College in Iowa, very intellectual school, but from my point of view, very anti Christian. It was very hard to be a Christian. Christianity was mocked in our classes. I had a Bible study at Grinnell. We met five times a week in my dorm room. You kind of had to, to encourage each other. And so I took a nostalgic trip. I walked through Grinnell uh, College some time ago, and Grinnell, I was part of Grinnell Christian Fellowship. The college has taken away their campus status because they won't affirm homosexuality. That's the open-minded liberalism of Grinnell College. But this was before they closed, they they took that status away, and I'm walking around the campus, and here's a sign up. Grinnell Christian Fellowship meets here tonight at 7 o'clock, and here the old man thought, I'm going to (laughs) go. So here's this room full of Christians sitting on the floor singing hymns with the guitar and everything, and here's me, And, and I just, it was so sweet to be in Christian Fellowship again at Difficult Grinnell. And you know what I said to the students? I said, you know, a gazillion years ago, I used to be a student here. And we used to meet five times, and I said, I know it's hard to be a Christian at Grinnell. I know it is. But I said, oh, the sweetness of the fellowship that I had when I was here. And I just encourage them, keep coming, hang on to your faith, but keep in fellowship. I, I ask that for you. If you don't have a good church, find a good church and go every week. Join a small group Bible study where you'll be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. Well, there we go. That is how the Apostle Paul prayed. And I want to close with words from the Prince of the Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, a famous uh, uh, preacher from England in, in the late 1800s. And Charles Spurgeon said this. Whether we like it or not, asking is the rule in the kingdom. He's referring to the verse where Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. Asking is the rule of the kingdom, a rule never to be altered in anyone's case. God has not relaxed that rule for Jesus Christ, the elder brother. If the royal son of God cannot be exempted from this rule of asking that he may have, You and I cannot expect the rule to be relaxed in our favor. Why should it be? If you may have everything by asking and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital your prayer life is. So I want to encourage you. The one thing I hope you take away, if you're not praying, just start praying every day. Talk to God like he's your loving Heavenly Father, because prayer is the way God does everything. Amen.
2: Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us not only his knowledge of Scripture, but his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with Him. Pastor Brock, you know, you talked about this couple that was killed in this tragic accident. How do you? respond to that when they're good Christian Mm -hmm. people and God chooses to take them in such a way Mm -hmm.
1: and people can get angry you know my parents were Christians how could he do this to them well um, a a couple thoughts Jackie I've said this before but when you and I are in heaven we're gonna look back and say why did I scratch and claw to stay down there Jenny and De- Dean and Jenny are who we're talking about. You know them very well too, and and uh, they're they're praising the Lord in heaven right. It's bad for us, but it's great for them. And you know when when uh, like a little child dies at age four or five, that can be very hard, of course, because we're human and it's hard on us. But you don't know what God has spared that four or five year old child by taking him early. So th- those are some thoughts.
2: Okay so does it say in the bible you have to go to church to be a christian It does.
1: well hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 i'll quote it do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some but encourage one another and and you know jackie all the Christians in the New Testament were part of a Christian church. They were part of an assembly. And so people who think they are Lone Ranger Christians, again, I'm talking about these men that email me, I understand the Bible properly and the church is in darkness. Well, how arrogant is that? You mean you can't find one church somewhere that believes the Bible? You're the only one. And so Jackie, yeah, you know what I've learned, I've learned too? People that think they're a church unto, them, unto themselves, their theology gets weird and they just get off in stuff they believe. You know, if you believe this one guy says, I just believe the Bible. Well, the Bible says be in church. <laughs> okay,
2: um, so why exactly does God want us in church? though? Uh-huh. You talk about these Lone Ranger Christians, right. yeah. but-
1: Because, you know, Jackie, it's it's hard. I'm just talking about Grinnell College. It was hard to be a Christian at Grinnell. You were ridiculed for your faith and I needed fellowship five times a week. That's why we did it. And other people did too. And Jackie, the world is not a friend to the Christian faith. And I think we all need the Christian church because we all need to be strengthened by one another because you can't go it alone in this world. You'll be overcome.
2: Well, I guess the next question then is you're talking about how important it is to have a church. How does a person know if they're in a good church?
1: This is where the devil is really sneaky. You know, we talk about the cults, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, all those cults that are separate from the church. The sneakiest cult is the cult from within, liberalism in the church. Jackie, when you go to a church, I I know a certain United Church of Christ, which is the most liberal of all the denominations, the pastor of that church does not believe Jesus died to make atonement for our sins. The United Church of Christ, which has a glorious history, the, the Puritans and everything, all the Puritans believed in the Trinity. Today, you can be a pastor in the United Church of Christ and deny the Trinity and deny the deity of Christ. You can believe pretty much whatever you want. In fact, there's a an atheist pastor in, in Canada who is the pastor of a United Church of Christ congregation. What? But see, they're enlightened. They think this is all very enlightened and, and open-minded. But Jackie, so here, here, your question was, <laughs> How do you know if you're in a good church? Right. Uh, What I would do is I would ask the pastor, do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe in the Holy Trinity? Is that important here? Do you believe Jesus is the only way of salvation? Because a lot of liberal churches, everybody goes to heaven. Uh, Do you believe there's a heaven and a hell? Uh, What are your views on abortion, homosexuality, premarital sex? And you will get a very clear indication if that's a biblical church by the answers you get out of that pastor.
2: Okay, Pastor Brock, you were talking about praying for certain things, asking specifically for something. Mm -hmm. If you pray for something for a long time and you don't get an answer or feel that God is answering that prayer, are you to stop praying?
1: Uh, Jesus said, keep on knocking, keep on asking. He talks about the widow parable where she keeps on knocking and bugging this judge until finally he says, okay, I'll answer your, your request. And Jesus said, how much more will our Father in heaven, loving Father, answer those who seek him? So Jackie, <clears throat> normally you keep on asking. Now, however, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Three times he said, I asked God to take this away. And God said, no, it's going to stay to keep, keep you humble. So I think at that that point, Paul stopped praying for God to take it away because he knew God wanted it to stay. So sometimes you stop praying for something, but overwhelmingly just keep knocking.
2: If you feel like you aren't getting an answer for a prayer, mm-hmm. is it wrong to say, okay, I'm just going to quit asking for this?
1: Well, Paul kind of stopped asking that the thorn would be taken away, I believe, that's the way I read that passage. But Jackie, here's the other way to answer that question. God always answers our prayer. Sometimes his answer is no.
2: Okay. Got me on that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Does praying in faith mean that I can be sure God will answer my prayer? And you maybe just answered that because- Well,
1: here's the deal. I think praying, God always answers our prayer, sometimes no but often he answers our prayer in a way we didn't see coming. Let me give you an example. In the 300's Monica is praying for the salvation of her son Saint Augustine. He wasn't a saint to begin with. (laughs) But she's praying, God please bring Augustine to Christ. It broke her heart when her son snuck out of church, got on a boat and sailed for Rome, Sin City. And she thought, oh no, God will never save him there. Well, God bumped him into Saint Ambrose in Rome uh, Augustine heard Ambrose's preaching. Monica was able to come to Italy and watch her son get baptized by Saint Ambrose. So there's a way. God answered the prayer of her heart, save my son, but he didn't answer the prayer of her lips, keep him from Rome, because she because pra- he'd wanted to go to Rome. So there's an example of God answers our prayers but sometimes the opposite of the way we expect it.
2: What part does doubt pick? Play in our prayer life because yeah. if you're doubting, something will happen. Yeah. Is that.
1: You know, James chapter 1 says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, but let him ask in faith, because a double minded man will not receive anything from the Lord. <coughs> so when you pray, you don't pray like this God, if you're up there, and if you can do anything, would you maybe do this? That's called the prayer of doubt. But the prayer of faith is God, I know you're there. James chapter one promises me that if I pray in faith, you give me the wisdom. So Lord, I need the wisdom about this situation. And then you wait, you can wait a while sometimes, but you wait, but you trust God's gonna keep that promise of James one.
2: Okay. So you've explained about doubt, Mm -hmm. but are there other things that can block our prayers besides? Well,
1: yes, I'm thinking of Psalm 66, where it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord does not hear. So Jackie, if you're living in open rebellion and sin, and then you pray for God to do things, you know, he doesn't, he does not He's not required to answer your prayer when you're living in open rebellion. Another verse similar, First John 3:22. We receive what we ask of Him because we do the things that please Him. I mean, Jackie, uh, if if let's say your son uh, wants to borrow uh, the tools and he borrows them and he leaves them out overnight and they get rains that are all rusty. Then he comes and he wants to borrow something else and, he, and, and finally he comes to you, Mom, can I borrow the car keys? Are you gonna give him the car keys? I don't think so. God can do the same with us. If he keeps blessing us, but we keep kind of spitting in his face, God's not obligated to hear our prayers. So disobedience, rebellion, doubt will hinder our prayers.
2: Okay, we've only got about 50 seconds okay. left, but I still have one more question. Okay. If a person doesn't have much of a prayer life, what would you recommend for them developing? Yeah, good. And you know, I'll I'll say
1: that if you're watching this and you rarely or never pray, just tonight before you go to bed, just pray and fold your hands and close your eyes and talk to God like he's your loving Heavenly Father. Bring him your sorrows, your woes, but like we prayed, also remember to thank him for things. Just start doing it. Get into a good church where you can see other people pray and that's what I'd suggest.
2: So on that note, I'd like to pray that we thank you for your support and that you're a part of this ministry and we pray that God would be with you granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time.
0: Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry?